Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a father and son on the other line. We have Michael and Carson. How's it going, guys? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Good to hear. Good to good to have you guys on the show, and th- and thank you um, so much for wanting to share your story. Um, so Michael and Carson are from Kansas, and Michael, the dad, is going to kind of give all of you a little bit of rundown um, on how they found out about the diagnosis. Yeah, appreciate it, Ryan, and thanks for thanks for having us. Um, yeah, we Carson got the diagnosis just a couple of years ago, so he was about 15 years old when he got the diagnosis. Um, as a as a child, um, he was he was developing right along till about three or four years old. And then what we've noticed is he started falling off the spectrum as as far as size. So um, had him tested at that point, and it was found out that Carson had a growth hormone uh, deficiency. And so um, at that point, about five at, at the age of five, uh, he started taking uh, growth hormones. On a on a daily basis, um, injections and and grew well with that with those. Um, and then when we noticed at about 12 years old, is I think it's 12 or 13, he was playing baseball and or playing football, I guess, in the backyard and dislocated his knee. And then um, right after that, started having a whole bunch of other issues with mobility and dislocations and things like that and so uh the doctor thought at that point it might it might be ehlers danlos syndrome and so we had him tested had a genetic test done and when the genetic test came back that's when we found out it was um it was Kleinfelder's syndrome and so um then it was a frantic um a frantic research to see i'd never heard of it and and to see what what that is and what that entails and so um, part of my reason coming here today is just letting those parents know that, you know, having a, having a child with XXY, it's okay. Um, you know, the, the blessing we had of not knowing for so many years is, is Carson grew up as a quote unquote normal child is, you know, he played sports. He, he did all the things that, that a normal child would do road bikes. And, you know, we were, we were none the wiser. And so um, listening to your podcast and, and hearing and, and following on, on Facebook is, is some of the concerns that we see is, is what I've seen is from the parents um, concerned about their, their young ones growing up with, um, with challenges and, and maybe, I don't know, sheltering them a little bit maybe. And I, I just want to encourage the parents that, you know, let them, let them be kids. Um, there's going to be some challenges. There are going to be some difficulties, but that's, that's in everyday parenting. And so, um, you know, it, it's one of those things is where we're just taking him by the moment and encouraging Carson to not let this define him, but be a part of his story. We feel that, uh, that he's here for a reason or with us that, um, that God gives us, um, not more than we can handle and that uh you know and he's here for a reason and with our family and and to really share his story and and to help others and, and really educate the educate the public on this on this syndrome 
Um, I appreciate you sharing um, that perspective of, you know, you didn't know, you didn't know until he was 15 um, and you guys met his challenge when he did have challenges before the diagnosis. Um, you just faced them with what they were at that moment and overcame them. Do you remember where you guys, like when you were getting the shots for um, the growth hormone, were you guys doing them yourselves or was he having to go to the doctor? No, we were doing them ourselves. We had um, the, the pharmaceutical company we went with sent a nurse into the house to, to show us how to do it the first time. Um, but after that, it was, it was all on our own. And, and he, he took it like a champ. It was part of our daily routine of, you know, just before bedtime as we, we do the, you know, do the bath, do the brush teeth, do the bedtime stories. And then it was time for a shot and, and time for bed. So. What was that like for you, Carson, when you were, when you were that young and, and when did you stop doing that? Uh, growing up, it really wasn't that hard to do. It was just like part of the routine, but as I got older, I just kind of got tired of doing it. And I stopped at about 16 years old. Was it, was it like a, a daily injection that you were doing? Was it like intramuscular or sub in the fat subcutaneous? No, it was daily and we would alternate where we do like legs and arms. Yeah, and it didn't go into the muscle. It went into the right above the skin, and so we would puncture, would puncture the skin, and, and go in just between the skin and the, the muscle. So right into like the little layer of fat with a kind of probably like an insulin yeah. needle, like a tiny little needle. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that is correct. Yeah. So just the constant after you at sixteen, you just the constant doing it every day just kind of got redundant for you, and you kind of got over it. Yeah. So what was it like, you know, knowing that your parents were like advocating for you and finding, um, they kept finding your, you know, your challenges and facing your challenges. When you found out that you had XXY, did your parents tell you when they directly, when they found out, like, how was that for you? Yeah, they told me like pretty early on, uh, after finding out, but I guess just growing with it was hard for both of us because we didn't know what to expect and we didn't know, like have any education really much. So it's all really just been a growing learning process. When the doctors told you guys about it, what, what did they tell you? Do you, do you remember? Yeah, we got, uh, we went through uh, KU Med in Kansas City and it was, it was again it was more of a we went through a genetics testing for for the Adler's Danlofs that, that they thought they had and so really all it was was a letter that said you know the, the final results were Klinefelter syndrome and so there's no phone call nothing like that and so it was okay now we got this letter <laughs> now what and so my wife and I jumped right on the internet and and just started searching so no one, no one called you. No doctor. No one, no one. If if they did that, I didn't talk to them. Okay. They might call my wife, but um, I I never talked to anybody. No, but I, I do remember the letter coming in and and seeing that, and my wife doing research when we when we got um, you know, when we first got that, and 
And I think, you know, you've you mentioned in several other podcasts is everything on the internet was doom and gloom. And so um, I am thankful we came across delivering with XXY and got some education on that. So it's kind of shed some light on what's going on. And then, and then listening to some of the, the other parents on, you know, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's exactly right. That's the same things we're seeing. It's the same challenges that, that, the, that uh, we're facing. So it's just, it was nice to know that, you know, we weren't alone and, and that there's a community out there that's supporting it. What are the challenges that you guys were facing? Uh, a lot of it was academic um, is with, you know, with the schools is, you know, the Carson is slower in learning and, and comprehending and it was just, and being so late in his, his um, diagnosis. I mean, he, you know, he was in high school when we, when he was diagnosed. And so um, just trying to articulate then that to the counselors and, and um, educators to, Hey, here's, here's what's going on and here's why, you know, it's, it's, he's trying, I mean, he's doing his best, but there's, you know, there's some specific challenges there that, that we're, some of this comprehension isn't as mainstream students would have. What, what are some of your challenges now, Carson, that you've, you know, or, or that you had at fr- freshman year of high school at 15 and then that you've, you know, what, what were the challenges back then? It was really just all of other students learning faster than I do. So then teachers teach too fast and then I'm behind on my work because I have a hard time processing it and then actually putting pen and paper to it. And then like now, it really is for work. I learn slower because it's harder for me to remember stuff like number, like memorizing numbers and all that. So when you when you were in like English class to take notes after when the teachers like talking, take like from comprehending what they're saying to then processing it through your pen and then writing it down was much more much much more difficult for you. Yeah, it was, it took me a lot longer to write it down. And then by the time I had what I thought was enough written down, the rest of the class was so far ahead that I just got completely lost. I didn't want to take notes anymore because I didn't know where we were at. Hey, not alone with that one. I was, I was in that same exact boat um, my sophomore year of high school or all of high school, but specifically my sophomore year of high school. Um, so have you guys overcoming some of those challenges have you guys had an uh, to have you been able to get an IEP or a 504 plan to help yeah we sure did we got the IEP through school and then got the 504 plan set up as well so um and the school was very you know very they worked with him um and that was that was no problem at all it was it was you know they helped us uh communicate with the teachers and, and were able to give us allow him if he was taking notes he would be allowed to then uh the teacher would share their notes with him so he can go home and and kind of copy their notes down and use that to study for for the exams have you found that helpful at school having an iep yeah it was definitely really useful is it what did you have extended time on tests or did you have any troubles with like bullying or anything like that because of learning slower? 
Not really bullying at all, but I went into a separate room for testing and I had a pair with me to read the test questions and all the options. So for, for you, you've accepted that like this is how you learn and like this is what you need in order to do well in school? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. A lot of, a lot of what you're going through now is some of the stuff that I went through when I was younger in high school. And, and I had to, I also got to leave the class, um, to go to the learning center to take my tests. And we had someone that could read your tests for you if you needed it. Um, so that was, and that was kind of a challenge for me is like coming back into the classroom and letting kids know, like if kids were to ask like, well, why do you get to leave? Like, letting them know like, well, what, like, what's the reason why? Um, and I didn't always have, like, didn't always know why, or didn't know how to articulate to them, like why, and not get bullied for it. Like, be like, this yeah. is why I need this. Yeah. One thing, you know, I've, as a, a proud dad moment, um, I want to say he was a sophomore junior. I can't remember, but he, he did, um, ultimate Frisbee and, he came back and was talking to talking about how he opened up with his forensic science teacher about the XXY and then the X and then the, the science teacher, you know, as, as a science teacher does was intrigued. And so wanted to learn more and more. And, and so it, it was, it allowed Carson to articulate, you know, his, um, his diagnosis and then, and talk to somebody outside of family about it and help educate uh, the teacher on it. And the, and the teacher did go, you know, um, when he talked to us, he did say he went out and, and researched it a little bit and was fascinated by by the information. And, and so. What what gave you the courage to speak up and, and tell your teacher? It was, I really don't know. It was kind of just had this bond through the sport. And it was because when I originally started the Ultimate Frisbee Club, it was me, my teacher, and like four other guys that I was all pretty close friends with. So the bond kind of just grew pretty quickly and strong. So you had you had trust. You like trusted that you trusted him basically. Yeah. So what, when you did open up, was did it just flow out like like naturally for you? Like you didn't you didn't have any shame or anything like that in opening up and talking about it. Uh, it was pretty easy, and then if he had any like other questions, like yes, like um, when my first like knee injury was, and how long that lasted before I got it fixed, and I was able to answer it for him. That's, I mean, that's awesome that you're able to, in high school, like right after getting a diagnosis, being able to advocate for yourself and speak up for yourself, and not feel like you have to hide it. That was, it was, it was a proud parent moment because, you know, as, as a teenager, you know, they don't, teenagers don't always communicate. And, and so we, we were trying to figure out what's going, you know, what's going in his mind, what's he thinking about. And so uh, to, to know that, you know, he has somebody there he can trust within the school to uh, talk about it. You know, that's not a parent. So it was kind of cool. I can tell dad that you're super proud of, of him just being able to, speak up and talk about it and, and be open about it with someone, um, especially like an adult at school. Um, what were, what were some of the classes that you excelled in or the things in high school that you, um, that you enjoyed? 
really the only class I really enjoyed was I think it was sophomore year. I think it was U.S. history. World U.S. history. U.S. history. That teacher just taught in a way that I actually understood. And it just made learning a whole lot easier for me. Like he didn't, he didn't hand out, like just give me a passing grade. Yeah, it still made me work for it, but he put it in a way that I actually understood. So was he altering his teaching style or was his teaching style just more in the way you learned? Uh, after we told them about it, he kind of adjusted his learning style a little bit for me specifically, and it just helped tremendously. So you guys told you, – you obviously through the IEP, they knew that he had Klinefelter syndrome, and then from the, re the little research that you were able to do, you found out that he was more – you were like more of a visual learner or hands-on in that aspect? Yeah. And then by telling – so – how, how did that conversation go? If you remember dad with like telling the teachers about it and then obviously your son excelling in that class. Yeah, we had, um, you know, every year we, we'd meet with the teachers uh, and counselor and kind of go over the 504 and IEP and um, make any, make any changes, you know, as needed. And what were this? Ex and each teacher would go through and, Hey, here's how he's excelling in my class or here's, Here's some of the challenges, and so that way, you know, they could adjust each teaching style. And in this particular teacher, just you know, he, he was he was just a fantastic guy, uh, first of all. Um, but he took it. He took a special interest not only in Carson but in in all of his students. And he said, you know, said, um, and he told Carson, he said, you know, I'm not going to give this to you, but if you you show you're working hard, he goes, well, I'll work with you. And that's exactly what he did. He helped. He held up his end of the bargain as Carson held up his, and you know, and then and again, it's it's that trust and and as an adult is just is following through on what you say you're going to do, um, you know, helped helped show Carson that hey, this can be done if if I put in the work as well. So that's that's one thing we we've taught. Uh, we have an older daughter as well, but uh, taught both of the kids is you put in what you put out or you put out. What you put in what you put out. And so, um, you know, the harder you work is the better results are going to be. Um, you know, sometimes it always doesn't always show right away, but, uh, but if you work hard, you'll, you'll get the results that you're looking for. Working, um, like working three times harder is just something that you, you just get used to. I mean, it just, it just is part of your life. And I think for like expressive language, especially it, it kind of caught up with me, like right when I started this nonprofit, like my mom made a comment about how I wasn't always this put together, this articulate and, and how everything kind of all the hard work that I did a long time ago and everything kind of just all of a sudden caught up. And, and now that I've, I've caught up with all that, like I have the confidence in myself. I believe in myself in a lot of ways that I didn't even in my like late twenties. Um, how was, as far as school, social life, friends, um, dating, things like that, what, what, did you have some good times and also some difficulty with that? I mean, I really only have like three close, close friends, and then I have other people I'm just friends with, you know. And I've only told those three for 
friends about the XXY because I don't trust them. But dating really didn't come any differently at all. It was just kind of normal relationship. So you dated in high school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I smile because he he has we we joke that he has a certain swag and, and confidence that I wish I would have had at that age. So he's he's not afraid to go up to to a young lady and just start a conversation where I was a little bit intimidated by that. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I wish I had that confidence in high school. I remember this girl Megan in tenth grade. Um, all of her friends came up to me and and said, "Hey, if you you should ask her to winter formal, she wants to go to winter formal with you." And I couldn't uh, build up even knowing that she wanted to go with me. Um, I couldn't build it. She was so cute and good looking back then. I was so intimidated and I did not have the courage. And then three weeks later, she ended up having a date to winter winter formal from another school. Um, and I, I think I went to winter formal, but I went with just a bunch of friends and, uh, yeah. school dances were not my thing. What, yeah. Yeah. um, did you play sports other than, um, the, the ultimate Frisbee? I did. I played seventh grade football, which I dislocated my knee playing. It was actually with the neighborhood kids when I dislocated it and then, Trying to play football after that just made it worse. But I played baseball, what was it? So you're 14. Yeah, but what age? Uh, from four to 14. Four to, yeah, four to 14. And then that kind of just didn't make my shoulders any better. So that, it's unfortunate that I had to quit, but at the same time, it's what was better for me. I can see your big baseball fan from what's behind you. I know that the listeners won't be able to see it, but um, I can tell that there's a, a lot of enjoyment with baseball behind. That's what's behind you. Yeah, yeah, we're a big baseball fan. So, as far as like the medical side of of um, Kleinfelder syndrome goes, you know, you you were taking growth growth hormone because you weren't growing when you were a child, and when you got the diagnosis and then learning learning on your own, having to do all the advocate work of learning and, and unfortunately from how you guys found out of no one giving you any information, was testosterone something that was an option or offered or, or did you guys go down that route? Um, you want to answer that? We kind of touched on it, but we were still in the process of, because every time I go to get tested, it might not, I have normal levels. So it's not really like I need it right now, but it's still on the like, still on the spectrum when we're watching it. Did they when they tested you? Did they find out that you were non mosaic or or mosaic? Do you know? Uh, non mosaic. Okay. Yeah. So you're to, so you're doing you're 18 and you're when you're going are you going on your own to get your blood work done when when you need to and have those appointments or are parents still coming with you? They go with me sometimes just because they pick up more information than I do just because of the way I process stuff. Like I try to remember all the important things instead of every little detail. Would there be anything that would be easier for you? Like going in, if you were, when you do go into the doctor's offices by yourself, is it, or do they just speak so fast and they don't really explain what things are? 
it's really just the talking fast and then there's like i'm not a huge vocabulary guy so i don't understand big words that they use so just them being there and hearing it kind of helps to translate back to me one thing we've been doing he's been going through uh going to children's mercy hospital and so um being diagnosed or being affiliated with kids and then knowing how to work with kids they've done a pretty they've done a great job actually of of explaining to him and to us and in layman's terms where where we can get the information and um he just got a new endocrinologist and um when we met with him explained to him the situation he did a great job too of going to Klein. he, he hadn't heard of Kleinfelder. he heard of it but he, he didn't know very much of it about it so he went and did some research as well so that way the follow-up appointment you kind of had a better idea of, of what's going on and, and what, we're, what we're facing so they i would say the doctors we've had have done a, a good job of of educating themselves if they didn't know um you know what it was to begin with well that's good that you guys have trust that you can trust you can trust the medical team that gives you that provides the services for you guys and that it seems like they're open to learning and if you come to them and talk to them about things that you want to try or some new information they're they're not gonna sit there and be like uh we were like some doctors where they think they're god and they just shut you down when you try to advocate for right. yourself so that's awesome especially at your your age of 18 being able to go into the medical field and and like learn and advocate and know what's going on with your health right yeah we i, I would say you know we've had one one instance of that was or to your point is where the doctor thought he was he was god was um we went in and talked about um fertility and you know um and and extraction and then he really shut it down pretty quick and you know it wasn't would not listen to anything we had to say and would not listen to anything my wife had to say for sure and so um that, that's been all the one doctor you know that i could think of on this on this uh journey that's that's really put a a damper on things you know it, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward as he graduates from children's mercy into you know into an adult endocrinologist and see how that goes but um what was what so was far oh sorry what what were the go ahead go ahead no go ahead <laughs> Sorry. I don't sometimes get the social cues either of when to stop talking and when to start talking. Um, what fertility questions did you guys have? What did, what did you go in armed with? Well, we wanted to talk about extract, sperm extraction, um, you know, um, for future and storage for future. And it was just one of those is, you know, the doctor. He was not having any of it, and so um, and really shut it down. And and so at that point, what we decided to do, we're going to have to go find another doctor and have it, and and revisit that. So when discussion. so when you found out the diagnosis and you guys started to do your research, when when did Carson? When did you learn that you know? That with the diagnosis comes like the low testosterone, the learning, some of the learning challenges that you already have faced and you've been having, and then the aspect of infertility. Like, how was that for you learning about that? It was hard at first. I, don't, I can't even lie about that. Um, 
just hearing about it kind of struck me hard, but eventually I kind of just accepted it and like, what now, you know? How was it for you guys, dad, when you guys, you know, started to dig into the information that was available? Yeah, as a, as a parent, there's a lot of guilt, um, you know, is, and then I would say worry, you know, of, of what's, what's next and, and, but um, it's one of those where, you know, we, we try to do it day by day and, and challenge by challenge and, and accept what we've got. And, and, you know, there's, there's other options out there. We know that. And so um, that's, it's just something that, that we've, we've accepted as, as parents. So, you know, it may not be natural, but there's still, there's still options there. And so um, with adoption and, and other, everything else. And so it's just, it's, I think the biggest challenge as a parent was how do you have that discussion with a, you know, a 16 year old child at that point. And then, you know, knowing that, you know, it may not be a big deal at 16, but it'd be a bigger deal at, you know, 23, 24, 25, when they start seriously dating, talking about, you know, marriage and, and beyond is, is having those conversations. So, so that, that's been, you know, as the worry as a parent is, is, is kind of the future of this. How did you, how did you have that conversation when he was, you know, 16, 15, 16? You know, we're, um, we're a pretty straightforward family. And so we just address issues um, as they come up. And so it was, we sat down and, and Hey, here's, you know, I just kind of explain, here's, here's what it is. Here's, here's the challenges you're, you have with having this, uh, this, this diagnosis and, you know, it's not the end of the world, but there, you know, it's going to be some challenges and, and, you know, it's something you're going to have to think about and, you know, and, and maybe make some make some decisions earlier than you normally would in, in life. And so, um, as far as, you know, if you do want to try an extraction or, you know, if not, is is, you know, there's adoption out there as well. So just, just having that conversation and being straightforward and honest with them. That's good to hear. And, and like you said, when you, when you started this podcast out about, you know, being like letting all the families of newborns and, and younger kids know that, you know, like looking at your son, you, you never know that any of us in person would have this. It's like, hi, we're hiding in plain sight, which is easier for us to maybe hide behind and right. not, not open up about it and not talk about it. But talking about the things that you're doing now is making such a massive difference. And I, I appreciate, you know, going into the details. Um, one more detail about fertility was when you guys went to the doctor, did you, did they offer to even do like a sperm analysis to check? No, basically he said it wasn't worth the, it wasn't worth the, wasn't worth the time of his time basically is way boiled down to. Dang. So that's, that doctor's out. I would definitely. Yeah. yeah, He was one of those. I, I don't, I'm one of those that don't not, I don't send comment letters very often, but this was one where I was like, you know what? The hospital needs to know that this, this doctor's out there and, and, you know, and it was all about him and, and not, not listening to a word we had to say. So, I mean, he had had formed his opinion and that wasn't going to change. So, 
Yeah, the sperm analysis uh, can be kind of weird. Um, I did my first one at 31 at the NIH when I did a five-day study in Bethesda, Maryland. I'd, I'd never done one before. Um, mm -hmm. My parents just raised me, like, no, just knowing that um, I couldn't have kids. That there were, but they, right. but that they never told me I could never be a father. There's, they were always right. just adamant about like. There's plenty of other ways to have kids yep. or you could marry someone that has kids or is a widow um, in, in those regards. And um, it's, yeah, the sperm analysis can be definitely something weird, but it's, I would recommend going and doing it and getting it done. And just so you have some, because you're not on testosterone is, is probably, you know, and then you're, you're making your, you have what normal, somewhat normal levels for, for your age and, just to go and do it and, and get the experience out of the way. Um, and then finding it, it seems like there's really no rush and I'm not, I'm not pushing it on, on you to go do. Um, I think the micro surgery is something that individually everyone has to decide and whether they want to do it or not. Um, and, and wh if, whether they want to go through it and knowing all the possibilities and not putting all of your eggs in one basket, thinking that you're going to come out of it with a success. Um, right. just, but knowing that you're giving yourself a chance, if that's something that you want to do, I think my parents, I think it was just now coming about when I was in high school and they like offered it. And I was like, absolutely not like the, yeah. the aspect of like going in and cutting my testicles open under, under the knife and like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Right. <laughs> um, well, what, so kind of you're you found out at 15 and now you're 18 how how is things now that you graduated high school was were you like super happy to graduate oh i was i was definitely relieved but also kind of amazed that i had graduated because it was it was hard at sometimes like there was sometimes i didn't think i was going to graduate how difficult it got were you having difficulty at home, like doing, did you have tutors or were you constantly arguing with your parents about doing homework? Yeah, I was. I was definitely stubborn about it. What, can you give me some details? It was just the, me not wanting to do my work because I would get, like, because at school I felt like I didn't learn enough to do it to do the work so i didn't have i didn't know enough to do the homework and so just that whole mindset just really made me fall behind yeah and as a parent that i mean i i don't i appreciate the challenges that he have but i don't have that experience right and so as a parent it's frustrating i was like all you got to do is just sit and do this you know and and it was, it, it was a challenge because again, is I don't, I don't have that, that challenge. And so it's trying, trying to relate to that was, was difficult. So a lot of arguments. Yes. A lot of arguments. I speak, I only speak because I speak from, that's how it was with me. I was a 2.0 student. I got actually, I played volleyball, um, all through high school varsity, and my junior year, I got kicked off the volleyball team because I wasn't doing my math homework. And I went to a Catholic high school where homework was like 40% of your grade. And I just wasn't doing it. I fell behind 
in like you like Carson, you're saying is you fall behind like taking notes or understanding how they're teaching it, and then you already have to work three times harder. So then when you get home, then you have to work with your parents or if you have a tutor or someone that can help you, then you have to relearn basically everything that they taught you in school plus like do your homework and then go into the next day prepared. And then when you just fall through the cracks and you fall behind, you then like just give up because you're like, you're tired of it. But then I didn't, my parents were like, at what point do we like let him fail? And they let me, they let me fail because I think every kid, I look back on that now and I'm like so glad that my parents let me fail because it taught me a life lesson that I was a part of a team and I wasn't thinking about the team, like in the aspect of not doing my homework. And I just, I learned a lot and then I had to work. I dropped to a 1.6 GPA and then I had to learn, like I had to work three times harder, um, to get like four, six times harder, actually, like to get back up. So I didn't have to do summer school. Yeah. So, and and that was, yeah, I think to your point is, is we had to do that too, is is at some point we're like, you know, he's going to have to have these challenges on his own and, you know, we can only do so much and, and, you know, we'd help, we're there for him, but at the same time is, you know, there's, there's some, there's some growing pains that go with it too, that, you know, to your point is, is sometimes you got to fail to, to know that you're, you're not only letting yourself down there, you're letting others down as well. How did you get your license when you were in high school or did you get it once you were out of high school? No, I got it. Sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. Just before sophomore year. And how was that for you? Like taking the test and, and doing the driving. I did it in like, through driving school through the high school so we did it in different segments so we would learn take the test learn take the test and then drive so you passed you passed you didn't have any like that's cool that's rad I've, I've never i've never heard about doing a, a driver's test through the high school must be the mid the middle of the country <laughs> yeah yeah they do it uh they do it as a summer school class and so it's it's the five or six weeks in the summer where they'll go um They'll do some classroom part of the part of the day, and then uh, go out and drive. And then, you know, the the second part of the day. So you're learn you're basically learning the 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 material, and then you're actually putting it to the hands on. So that's like your that's basically your best learning style. Like right there is is I, them teaching it to oh you yeah. and then being able to actually do it to remember it. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's awesome. Um, what. So when you graduated, it was like you you were just thankful that it was over. Yeah. <laughs> that grin, that smile. <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, he one thing he's been doing is in his, his last his senior year and and now moving forward, he's doing a pretty good job of advocating for himself and so right after high school, in fact, before high school got out, is he went out and applied for a full-time job and and was able to to get that at one of the local auto dealerships. And then um, not only is he working that full-time job, but he's got a part-time job, well, two part-time jobs. And so he works out at the racetrack on weekends and and works at a local grocery store in the evenings. So he's, he's working hard and, and, you know, can't be any more prouder than Dang, were you working in high school too, or when when you graduated, you were like, it's time to work. I was working in high school. I had 
a difficult time sticking to jobs because some of them were rough on my body and other of them I just didn't like. So there was finally one job that just stuck and I've worked there almost a year now, actually, uh, at the local grocery store. It's just the people I work with and the environment is just incredible. And what, do you, what are you doing for that job? I work in the deli at the grocery store. So you're doing like all the sliced meats and like an counter, all the countertop stuff, like giving people food and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, slicing meat, bagging it, slicing cheese, bagging it, and then making like, uh, dips and stuff. So you've learned how to cook a little bit. Kinda, not really. <laughs> And then what, so you, so three jobs, so you're, you're doing the local on the weekends, you're doing the local track. Like what, can you kind of explain what that is? Uh, it's Heartland Park. It's the race, the main racetrack we have here in, uh, Kansas. It's, I just work, uh, corner safety there for the races, the road course. So it's really just the flags for to let the racers know what's going on. And then you also work at Toyota? Yeah. And what do you do there? Uh, that's, I'm a uh, automotive service tech there. So I do the oil change, tire rotations. And then every now and then, since I'm certified, I help the used car techs do engine rebuilds and transmission rebuilds. So you have a love of cars, if if I can't tell. Yeah, definitely. What what is it about cars that you love? What car? Oh, um, it's mainly muscle cars, but there's also some exotic cars like Lamborghinis that I like, and it's really just all of them. Just really anything with a motor, I enjoy. Is it is it because you can? get in there with your hands and learn how to do it and take it apart and see what's wrong and, and like physically be able to touch things and, and in those environments. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Another part of it's just, I just enjoy doing that. Like it always has been, I just enjoy the sounds and everything that comes with it. So no, uh, no electric car races in the future, no Tesla's or anything because it'd be completely quiet. Yeah. Oh, there... Yeah, he's uh, our garage. Growing up, our garage was a mess because he he'd bring home old TVs and the computers and, and everything the neighbors were throwing out. He'd bring it home and disassemble it to see how it worked. That's aw That's awesome. So, I mean, that's a not that it's not out there in the in the in the research studies about Kleinfelder syndrome. But after talking with thousands of guys and and meeting tons of guys in person. There's so many, most of us are very like hands-on kinetic visual learners, learn by doing. I was a chef for 10 years. I also worked in action sports photography for a long time. And so you like have this, it's just the way our brain like works. And I, I know so many guys that are uh, Joey here in San Diego, a bunch of other guys all over the States that are XXY and they, they love cars. They, they love, um, 
and and all of their money goes into their car where for me i drive a 2008 toyota tacoma i take care of it it has 170,000 miles um but i've never i've used like some plasti dip to paint the rims and and do the cheap stuff but uh i look at joey has a bmw and he like has tricked the thing out has carbon fiber on it and has like different wheels and like puts like a turbo and all these other things you're not allowed to have in california (laughs) (laughs) so you yeah i've I've tried to do like some stuff it's mostly cosmetic right now but really the only huge thing i've done do it as an intake and that's about it so right now is it loud yes it's very loud (laughs) yes (laughs) we know he's coming from a block away have you put a system in it too? Uh, kinda. I did the two new front speakers, and then the back, the trunk speakers come uh, as subs from Dodge. So that's that's rad. I mean, so as far as just like living your life and and like having XXY, has it? Does it? does it come up often when you're like doing stuff or thinking about things or is it just, you've just learned to, Hey, this is a part of who I am and I'm just going to continue on with my life. Oh, living with XXY. You know, you accepted that. Hey, this is a part of your life. Yeah, I've definitely accepted it. Like I've struggled with it at first. I, actually fell out of Christianity kind of for a little bit because I was just questioning God and then I had a summer camp with two amazing leaders that absolutely flipped everything around helped me realize that it's part of who I am it helps define me and so after that I've kind of grown stronger with Christ through through knowing that it's part of who I am part of my story part of my chapter and part of what makes me who I am. That's awesome. What What would you tell guys out there that are your age, you know, that might not be as accepting, self-accepting with this as they, as they could be, or, you know, what would you tell like young moms or moms with like young kids about your experience? It's not something that should really stop you from being who you are. Like you're different, but you're not, different like people shouldn't see you any differently than what you are like you might get made fun of a little bit but it doesn't matter because it's not it's nothing you can control and it's something you were born with and it's just learning about it and teaching other people about it is just i can't even put it into words it's just Teaching other people about it has just been an amazing journey. Like I before, I didn't used to be able to even talk about it because it just pained me to talk about. But now I can tell someone about it without really even blinking an eye. When when you tell people what, um, like, oh man, I just had my question. Um, when you like when you're advocating and you're telling people about it, do you have, what are the reactions from people when you're opening up and telling people? 
some of them are confused and others of them don't really believe me because it's not really something that's common, you know? It's really common. It's just not nobody like when you guys got yeah. diagnosed, right? You, nobody knows what it is. And then right. yeah, right. I think the hard part is, is because we don't have like a, you know, we might have smaller testicles, but it's not like we're all walking around naked. And so it's like, right. because we don't have like a visual cue in our face, when people think of like Down syndrome or, or, or ASD or any of the other, other severe genetic conditions where there are like um, differences physical differences it's really hard to like advocate for yourself when people just look at you and they go well you're normal you look normal and it's like right, well, right. What, what is normal right, right. yeah so it, that well that i mean you couldn't have said it better with you know i at 18 advocating for yourself and doing what you're doing now is, is so important and i'm i'm like your dad said that you were shy and i'm like there's, there's no way you're shy <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know if he'd come on, <laughs> for being honest. So, um, I'm, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did because this is this is his story. And like I said, I I wanted to come on and at least reach out as as a parent that's, um, you know, again, it is learned coming later in life, but but to be an encouragement to to those um, parents with younger younger boys that, you know, it is it's a diagnosis. Um, you know, there are going to be some challenges, but like Carson said, don't let that define them is, is let them do their, you know, their interests, whether it's sports or music or whatever that may be. And just, you know, it's, they're normal kids. So treat them like a normal kid and, and you know, and, and those that are expecting and, and getting that news is, you know, it's, I hear so much about the perfect child or, you know, I don't, I'd like to have somebody define that for me because I haven't seen one yet. Everybody's challenged. And so, um, you know, I, there's a reason you have that diagnosis and, and you're strong enough to, um, God gave you that, that child to be, because he knows you're strong enough to handle it and to, um, and to, and to help educate the world about this, about this syndrome. Like you said, it's not as, it's not as uncommon as you like to think. And, and, you know, when, when I first started seeing the numbers, I'm like, man, there should be like five or six kids in a school, you know, um, that have this diagnosis. And sure enough, we have one that we, we met last summer. Yeah. One of the, we just recently made a brochure and one of the quotes from a doctor that is um, no child is born perfect and no child is born the same. And right. that's, and I think what's, what's hard is we live in this Instagram perfect world still, even though Instagram is yeah. old, it's people are thinking perfection when they think just newborn, like just in that aspect. And, um, yeah. it's, it's been amazing having you guys on and, and sharing your story. And I appreciate it, Carson. It's, it's, you might not realize or know or ever get people that reach out and say, thank you, but um, to our organization and the people that do reach out or the people that are out there that will come out of the shadows at one point with their diagnosis or their story. It's, it's really impactful for being 18 and being able to just talk about it. So we'll thank you guys and we'll, we'll, uh, have a great day. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you.